when you're up against a hostile room of people who don't want to be there, you need real strategies that get results. Welcome to From Hostage to Hero, the show that gives you practical advice you can use right now in the courtroom, boardroom, or classroom. Learn how to move your unwilling audience to one that is invested in what you're saying, eager to participate, and engaged in the process. Learn from the attorney whisperer herself, your host, Sari Delamont. Hey guys, Sari Delamont here. This is a recent Facebook Live that we've uploaded as a podcast. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Facebook Live this morning. I'm excited to be with you as I will not be with you for the next month. And in a week and a half, I'm taking off for our cabin in Finland and we'll be there for about three weeks. And so I will not be on Facebook Live for about the next four to five weeks. So I will be sorry to miss you, but I'm hoping you're taking some great vacation as well. The other big news, hey, Tony, the other big news is that the book is coming out in September from Hostage to Hero will be here in September. Hey, David. Hey, Sandy. And uh, we are so excited about that. We've got lots of stuff planned for the book coming out. We're going to have a launch party here in Portland. If you're local, you're going to be invited. It's going to be a great thing. And in addition to the book coming out, we are going to be creating a course that goes along with the book, and we've been creating it, and a membership. That is all coming this fall, and you're going to get information about all of that. So we're very excited about the book and about the online course and the membership. So today we are talking about group dynamics, and it's particularly we're talking about group formation and how important it is and why it's so important to increase your chances of winning at trial. You know, I, I think a lot in terms of group dynamics is misunderstood in trial work because we tend to think, hey, Justin, that if you have a group of individuals that you have a group and really what you only have is a gathering and we have to be really clear about what we mean by that you know when i think about this i think about uh when i got pregnant at the ripe old age of 42 it was an absolute shock and um i had two miscarriages before so we didn't know if this one was going to make it but you know holy hell she she arrived on the scene and i decided because my best friend rachel had birthed both of her children naturally i.e without medication that i was going to do the same because she's my hero and i was like i'm doing that yeah so did not do that um <laughs> i ended up with the c-section but i went to the you know what do they call it? natural childbirthing class? It's a 10 week class. And, and I dragged Kevin along and we have to do this training, you know, to be able to do this without medication. Now at that group, there was, I think eight couples, right? So there's eight of us and we were together for 10 weeks for two hours each week, talking about seriously intimate topics, you know, that involved our nether regions. And yet the group never formed. So it is not time, it is not being together that forms groups. You know what forms groups? You do. And you have to know first, what we're talking about today, why that's so important, and then how to do it. This is why so many people come out to Portland because groups are formed non-verbally. All right, hey Dina. So let's talk about why or first of all, let's talk about what. What do we mean by a formed group? Well, 
To understand what a formed group is, we have to understand what an unformed group is. So an unformed group, think of the last time you went to, let's say, a national CLE. So it's not like your state association of justice meeting. It's, it's a CLE where maybe you know some people, but not everybody there. And, and most people at the, at the CLE don't know each other. So what you might notice in that situation, first of all, is that no one is looking at each other. So you pick up your registration packet, you go and you sit down, you look at that, then you take out your phone and you just kind of look at that while you're waiting for the speaker to come out. No one's actually making eye contact because we don't make eye contact with people we don't know unless you're like a super creepy person, but most of you are not. I'm, I'm saying most of you because maybe some of you are. Um, so, and by the way, uh, what's today, Wednesday, Friday, my podcast on eye contact drops. If you want to understand what eye contact means and more importantly, what it doesn't mean, listen to that podcast. You guys have eye contact. Most people have eye contact all wrong. So we want to make sure that we've got the eye contact piece down. Here's the thing is that people don't look at each other when they don't know each other. Okay. So that means second indicator, eye contact's the first one, is that they're not talking to each other. Because obviously if we're not looking at each other, we're not talking to each other. So we now know the group is unformed because most people are not talking to each other and most people are not looking at each other. Third indicator is what people are doing. Okay, so we've got eye contact, we've got voice, you know, in terms of talking, and we've got doing. What are people doing? So if you go back to the CLE example, you'll see people that are getting up and getting coffee at different times, or going to the bathroom at different times. There might be small groups during the presentation that are um, <clears throat> participating. There might be other people who just refuse to participate. Uh, so it, everyone's doing things at different times. Okay, so that's, that's one indicator. And the fourth indicator is how is the breathing? Now, breathing, people think, well, how the heck do you read breathing? Sorry. Well, it, there's a lot of nonverbal indicators, and we can talk about that in a future Facebook uh, Live or a podcast, but you know that people aren't breathing well just by how you feel. So if you're in the situation like that ceiling, there's kind of this sense of like anticipation or everyone's kind of waiting for what's going to happen next. Everything's kind of feeling up versus down and calm and normal. So those are the four indicators of group formation. Where are people looking? What are, you know, are they speaking? What does it sound like? What are they doing? And how are they breathing? If they are not looking, talking, doing things together, or breathing well, the group is unformed. Now take a look at that in terms of our juries. Wouldn't you say that that is the case? And also notice, in terms of proving my point, that time does not form groups. And that the jurors, in many cases, by the time they get to the courtroom and you get a crack at them, they've already been together for two, three, sometimes four hours, right, if not more. And they're, they're doing the same things together. So there, there's, there's group formation that could be started, but most of them have still not looked or talked to each other. I, I bet you anything, you peek your head in that door where they're forced to watch that little video on what it means to be a juror by Diane Sawyer. Outside of watching that video together, they're all on their phones reading magazine. Nobody's looking or talking to each other. It just, again, we don't look or talk to people we don't know. Unless you're a serious, courageous person, is that the right word? But you know, you're just, you know, trying to like get to know your fellow man. But in general, that is not what most people are gonna do. All right, so we know that our groups are unformed when they come into the jury room. Now, 
Here's why it's important, and this is the big thing I want you to get from the Facebook Live today. Here's why it's so important that you form your group. There's three things, there's many things, but three things I'm gonna tell you today. The first is that they, <laughs> excuse me, you, I should say, must connect with every single individual juror when the group remains unformed. And the number one thing that I hear from most of you is how difficult that is. You're like, sorry, it's so hard to connect with all these individual jurors. And I said, well, yeah, because it's not possible. I mean, you've been told that it is. It's not. Let me just relieve you of that idea. It is not possible for you to connect with each individual juror. I'm talking about a panel of 30, not mention the ones that many of you get, which have 80 or 100 on the, on the panel. So it's not possible, first of all, for you to connect with every juror. And even if it was, it's not very exciting for the other jurors as you are attempting to connect with each individual juror. And Wadir becomes now a snooze fest as you try to make these individual connections between you and all these jurors. It's just hard, you don't have time to do it, and it leaves the jury out. Two things about my voir dire process that are different than pretty much everything else out there. One is that I, well, let's say three things. The first one is that I do an inclusionary voir dire instead of exclusionary. I know TLC also does that. But for me, it's all about who do I want on. In that process, we're absolutely going to find out who we want off. But it's all about setting the tone right from the beginning. I'm looking for a team, and I want that team to be awesome. I don't want to just kick people off and then deal with whoever's left. So that's the first thing my, mine is different, is that's inclusionary versus exclusionary. We will, of course, kick people off that shouldn't be there. The second way my voir dire is different is that it's issue-oriented. We're not talking about hobbies, we're not talking about passions, we're not talking about what books they've read lately, because may I remind you, this is not a first date. Okay, this is jury selection. <laughs> they don't want, want to be there and talking about, you know, what movie they've seen lately. Hey, Sam, thanks for joining. So here's the thing, the third thing is that it's a group-oriented Wadir. Everything I teach you when you come out to Portland or you're gonna be taking part in our, our new online course, you'll be learning this, is all about how group to participate in Wadir, not individuals, okay? And the first reason is it's hard to connect with each and every individual and it's boring for the jury. The second reason, that we wanna focus on group Wadir instead of individual. And I know there, those of you are out there are like, I don't, I don't get group or panel Wadir, I have to go individual. Fine, great, That's this, this particular Facebook Live is not for you. We can't do the things that I'm talking about if that is in fact <clears throat> what you're dealing with. So you know that's not a perfect scenario, but when I'm talking about when you have the opportunity to do panel Wadir with the group, that's the best way to go. So the second thing, is that you have to read individuals if you don't have a formed group. Meaning, instead of having to, uh, forming the group and seeing what culture arises there, which we'll talk about in a minute, you have to read every single individual juror and see if you have permission or what we call receptivity in my work, and if what you're saying is working and how, how the communication is landing and all those kinds of nonverbal things we teach you how to do. That's nearly impossible with a panel of 30 to 80 jurors. Even with 12 jurors, it's, it's hard to do. 
like in our studio classes. So that's the other reason you want to form the group is that when you have the individuals that you're trying to read, it's just impossible. I mean, I, I now get it. Let me say this. I now get why all of you, not all of you, most of you think voir dire is the hardest part of trial. I used to think, what's the deal? I mean, this is like the fun part. We get to talk to everybody. And But with all the things that you think you have to do, you have to read all the jurors, you have to make sure you get everything down, you have to make these individual connections. Holy hell, I get why you think it's difficult. I'm here to tell you, if you know how to form the group, you don't have to do any of that, none of that. Because once you form the group, all of that gets taken care of. You get to focus on connecting with the group. You get to focus on reading the group. One thing versus 12 or 30 or 80 things. It's so much easier on you, not to mention in terms of the verdict, it's much easier to persuade, influence, convince, whatever word you want to use, a thing, a group, than it is to try to do that with 12 individuals once you actually have the jury selected, or eight or six individuals. So form, group formation, which is my specialty, is so huge because it fixes so many issues. For example, in the From Hostage to Hero book and in the From Hostage to Hero method. You know I'm not a major method person, but I do have four steps that you have to walk the jury through systematically to move them from hostage to hero. I don't know if that's backwards. Is it from this way to this way? From how you're watching? Whatever it is, hostage to hero, there's four steps. The first step is you must provide safety, okay? If we think about this in terms of, let's say, online dating, which I am obviously too old for and never did, but now that's the big thing, right? Online dating. If your first consideration, mostly for females, but for both, is when you meet for the first time, your first consideration is safety, right? You ain't, you ain't going to show up at a coffee shop or show up at the person's hotel room or at their personal residence if you don't know who the hell they are. You're going to go somewhere public where people can hear you if you have to scream or you have to you know, exit very quickly, right? So safety is the first consideration and so is it with jurors. They don't know you, they don't know anybody else, they're trying to figure out this whole thing. Your number one concern at that point is to communicate, I am safe and I am not a threat and I'm here to help you get out of this mess. Now when you can do that, then you can start focusing on the other three steps, engagement, commitment, action, the, the steps leading to heroism for your jurors. But safety is the first consideration. Now, here's the great thing about juries, is our group formation from juries. If you form the group, the group provides its own safety. You know, and there are several of you here today that have been to the studio classes. I am quite like focused on the first couple of hours, not days, forming that group of six attorneys because then they start to take care of themselves. They start to take care of each other. They need me less. That's opposite of what we think. We tend to think as presenters, as lawyers, as the person in front of the room, that our job is to create or, or, or answer this dependency that our audience has on us and that that's a good thing. No. Dependence on you as the person in charge is not a good thing, particularly for trial attorneys. So I want you to think about this. Where are you when they do their most important job? Are you there in the verdict room? No. They have to go and do this alone. So if you create this dependency where you are giving them absolutely everything they need and you are the person that they are looking for for everything, 
once they go to do their most important job, which is to decide the verdict, it's like wrapping them up in a warm blanket and then yanking it away and going, now you're on your own. We want to give them the gift of each other so they don't have to do this alone. And you say, well, sorry, they are together. Listen, go back to the beginning. What I said, just being together does not mean they're a formed group. They still feel alone if they have not formed into a group by the end of trial. So you are giving them a gift. I mean, think about this in terms of the SCARF model, which many of you have heard me talk about many times. If you don't know what the SCARF model is, go and listen to the first six podcasts in the From Hostage to Hero podcast. If you are not listening to that podcast, you are seriously lame and need to go listen to it right now because it's awesome. So the SCARF model, the first of these five sociological factors that we know either we reward or threaten, the brain sees as a reward or an attack. So S-C-A-R, R stands for relatedness, okay? So when the brain, when we, know, when we know the people we're around, the brain sees that as a reward. It feels good. But when we don't know the people around us, the brain sees that as an attack. So group formation also helps you reverse the brain attack that trial actually creates in jurors. So that's another reason why you want to form the group. These are all these side benefits that I'm getting, I'm getting kind of tossed off on. So here's the first one again, is that it allows you to connect with one thing versus a bunch of individual jurors. And second, it allows you, thanks for the love, Kevin. Kevin's giving me a love. Anyone else liking what I'm saying? Give me a like or a love. Um, the second thing is that it allows you to read one thing versus a bunch of individual things. And the final thing is that it allows you to manage the group. Now, this is huge. This is really, really huge. I'm going to get deep into some group dynamic stuff here, so just stay with me for a minute. Many of you ask, what in the heck do I do with a juror who won't stop talking, who takes over the box? Now, not ever all of you ask me about that because some of you like that person. Why? Because at least someone's talking, right? So let's let them keep talking. However, as you know, if you're being good, that's not what we want. We don't want just one or two or three people to take over the whole box and not get information from everybody else. We just, that's not going to be helpful. So the question becomes, how do I manage that person? Well, we talk about how the group once they're formed, goes through three distinct phases when someone, an individual in the group, is acting inappropriately. And so in this case, they're talking more than other group members. First, the, or the group will get, become shocked. Okay, so they'll be like, well, this is weird. Like, what's, why is this person talking a lot? But they, come, they won't look at each other. They'll just kind of do this thing and kind of look at you like, hmm. If you allow the person to continue talking, now the group will move from shocked to confused. So they'll kind of do this, they'll go like side to side, like to their fellow jurors, like, are you seeing this? Is this as weird as I think it is? Now, if you continue to let the talkative juror go, now you'll see the group move from shocked to confused to annoyed. So now they're like, <sighs> they'll actually turn to their neighbor, make noises, and here's the thing, they're no longer irritated with the talkative juror. Guess who they're irritated with? You. They are irritated with you because you have not shut this person down. So as the person conducting voir dire, and because you are so good at group dynamics, you will have noticed these things. And you'll know once the group gets to confuse, it's time to shut the person down. Now here's what's important to understand. You cannot do this. 
unless the group is formed. You just can't. Because if the group is unformed and you have this very talkative juror, what happens is you will shut the talkative juror down. And because the group is unformed and does not have their own culture, they will think, if I speak up, I will also be shut down. And then no one talks. However, if you form the group and then you shut down, and the group, by the way, tells you to shut down the juror because you've been watching them move through these phases, and you do it, the group is fine because they think that person is acting outside of the culture. And that's why Mr. and Mrs. Attorney shut them down. But they, I know they won't shut me down because I will act within the culture, which is to speak when I'm asked to speak and so on and so forth. You can't do any of these cool things unless you form the group. Notice how the group gives you permission to shut that talkative juror down. So those are really the three reasons why you've got to form the group, that they're easier to connect with, they're easier to read, and they're easier to manage. Connect, read, manage. Those are the three major benefits of group formation. Now, when can you form the group? In Wadir. Obviously, that's the time to form the group. And those of you who don't have Wadir, this is why I always say, oh my God, that's so hard, or federal cases, so on and so forth. Doesn't mean you're going to lose your case. Notice how I titled this one. If you got the email, you know, form the group to increase your chances of winning. It's not like to absolutely, you know, shut it, close, open and shut case that this is going to actually win your case. No, but it's absolutely going to help because it makes it easier on you so that you don't have to manage the safety. So you don't have to connect with everybody. So you don't have to be reading things. So you can focus on what you're there to do instead of trying to manage all of this. Get the group formed. Now, I'm not going to tell you how to form the group today because that's a whole other thing and I will talk about it, but let me, let me just leave you with this. You really, here's what it takes to form the group is reverse the four factors. Get them looking at each other. Get them talking to each other. Get them doing things together and get them breathing together. How do you get a group to breathe? Guess who has to be breathing? You. You have to show them the way. This is what all my work is about, is that you show others the way. You set the tone. You go first. So you breathe well so that they will breathe well, so that they will start to form. That's what we're talking about here when we're talking about group formation. I promise to do a Facebook Live on group formation, but I want to always keep these around 20 minutes if possible. If you have questions, this would be a great time to put that in the um, comment box. I'm happy to answer questions about this. If you um, like what you heard today, I would love to get some likes or loves or ha-has, whatever you wanna give me there. But this is the time to ask questions. Again, I wanna remind you to subscribe to our podcast from Hostage to Hero, wherever you listen to your podcast, Spotify. iTunes, I think, is changing now. Uh, we've got three seats left for the whole year in Opening Statement Studio. Wadir is totally sold out, no more than that. And um, so three seats left for the entire year in November's opening statement. And then 2020, once we hit 2020, we're redoing everything. So this is one of your last chances to get in on a studio class the way we have them now. Um, what else? Again, I won't be with you for another month or so because I'm heading to Finland, so I'll miss you. I hope you guys have some great time planned for vacation. Being a traveler is hard. Please take care of yourself. That's so important. 
Alrighty, since I see no comments in the comment box, you guys, we need to get better about this. I want this to be interactive. So that's why I show up here. It's not just to teach, but to hear from you. Um, so let me know if there's um, questions that you have in future Facebook Lives. And um, I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. That's it for this episode of From Hostage to Hero. But head to our website, sorrydlm.com, for other must-have resources from Sorry Delamart. Read the transcript of this podcast, watch trial tip videos, or download your free copy of Sorry's article, Why Jurors Hate the Hobby Question. We're glad you joined us today. And until next time, remember that to lead a hostage to freedom, you must first free yourself.